Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good morning, traders. Are you guys ready for another pre-market prep? The number one morning show right here where we get to all the macro and micro that you guys need. Today, we got topics of FOMC, housing market, Ford recalls, Blue Putnam, BP, micro strategy, and of course, Hertz. So go ahead and hit that like button. Like always, guys, hit the subscribe bell below so that you guys can be notified the moment we go live and welcome to pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's go ahead. Let's get right to it. Let's bring on Joel Conan today and how we doing this morning. Let's go ahead, throw up those charts and bring me into the futures, Joel. Yeah, just uh, eight o'clock, like everything just lights up. And I just want to see that the turn there, the don't eight o'clock turn. Uh, okay, let's start. Um, we're optimistic this morning. Not me so much, but uh, the futures up. Uh, Caught a bid right off the uh, 6 p.m. open. We're up 35 and a quarter handles, 35 and a half handles, 35 and three quarters handles at uh, 37.76. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to give you guys on the upside. There's a couple levels in here, but we're just going to have to. We're just going to have to figure it out. Uh, we Oh, I got the wrong. I got to get the S&Ps up there. You can see we're working towards yesterday's high. Uh, crude, um, new high for the move yesterday, pull back down 55 cents, 118.38. Uh, gold in the green, 1950 at 18.33, caught a potential double bottom here. Silver in the green by 53 cents, 21.49. Bitcoin futures, they bounce where they should, baby. 20K, 20,025 is your low. 
You bounced a G off that. You're the futures I'm talking about here at 21.070. That's down to grand. And uh, wow. Is Ethereum heading for like triple digits? It's down 93.50 at 1,110 and 50 cents. Good morning to you, Triple D. Wow. I mean, does it make a difference if the Fed goes a half or three quarters? I mean, does it really? I mean, you think I, I it think, makes a difference? I don't know. I think they're going three quarters. I don't even think there's a question. I'm pretty confident they're going three quarters. I'm just not sure what the market's response is going to be to it. I think the market's expecting three quarters now. So I think you give the market what it expects. I think if you go a half, they're going to say, well, that's not good enough. And I actually could sell off on it, which is so counterintuitive. But I think that they're going to go three quarters. I think they're going to give the market what it expected. I don't know what the market's response is going to be to this Fed meeting. I mean, we've sold off substantially ahead of it. It's not surprising that we would bounce this morning as, you know, if anybody's short this market, they don't want to go short into the Fed meeting. So, I mean, it's been a serious sell-off. 10% we sold off in three days on the S&P, which is absolutely incredible. Um, So we bounce here. You know, we're up 1% from the lows this morning. I think you just got to do some – it's impossible to predict. I mean, we're going to be choppy ahead of it. We're going to be choppy after it. Impossible to predict. I just don't want to see us just go do some stupid, ridiculous, straight-up rally. Because remember what happened last time? We did that. When was I? I can't remember what. I'll have to look at the S&P. But we basically just had, when was it? It was right here. It was this It was this day right here uh, back in May. Just a, just, a, just stupid rally off the Fed meeting. And that's when we just topped out at 4,300. We gave it all back the next day. And um, so I just I'd rather see a, a sustained rally. The price action yesterday I thought was a little bit constructive. You know, there were buyers out there. You know, they were buying the dip. There was a, a a nice last half hour. We rallied fifty handles. Everyone was looking for thirty seven hundred. Instead, you got a nice bounce. So uh, you know, let's just have a I just a stair step rally. I just don't want to see us blast off like we we did last time because we know those moves really they're not sustainable when you don't when you don't have buyers at you know at good levels and then they have to decide well I didn't get enough of, of this stock at 83 and I'm going to try 85 well I didn't get 85 now I'm going to try 87 you know that scenarios like that I I don't even know if it matters I just think it's tough man it's tough to get the bull argument we're trading at an average market multiple really right now i know you're gonna have cameron dawson on on the on your um late show there joel but i just think um you know what she was saying before and you know she tweeted out and i retweeted that tweet looking at the p multiple of the s p and i mean we are still above historical averages and the other question which i don't know if anybody's asking was it all these COVID earnings inflated to a certain extent? Yeah. So is that e even safe? I mean, you're, you're throwing an 18, 19 times multiple on the market, but the earnings were inflated at that time. We haven't seen demand destruction yet. So that would start if the E starts going down, the P starts going up. So I'm just concerned that, you know, you can't, stocks aren't cheap enough yet. And we're in this environment where the Fed is attacking the market. So I still going to go back to my original thesis that you cannot start buying stocks until you get a good CPI report. At least show us inflation has top ticked. That's going to be the time to buy. And I mean, we're three and a half weeks away from the next one. Yeah, we it's just tough, got it. tough market to just come in here and say, this is the bottom. Why? I don't know why it is. So I'm thinking, you know, you want to have some stocks because we never know. Nobody's going to catch the actual bottom, except every trader on Twitter because they're all geniuses. 
But I mean, this is, you know, just a very difficult market to just say, okay, it's cheap enough now I'm going to buy in because the stocks still aren't that cheap. Uh, what Dennis was referring to is uh, at the close is going to be on premarketprep.com today. Benzinga has uh, an event going on. And uh, Cameron Dawson reached out to me yesterday and she said, it, you know, fly, you know, is it over yet? Uh, you know, flush check. So uh, reading her note, it seems like, you know, maybe she, she uh, turned a little bit bullish here. She's been really good uh, uh, calling the market so she far, uh, being conservative. So I'm going to I'm gonna drop the link in here. I'm going to drop the link. It's going to be uh, – she's going to be on at 335. And, uh, you know, we'll just – we'll talk about the markets with her. After that, we'll be, we'll be heavy into the Fed action. I'll tweet it out later. So uh, join me over at premarketprep.com at, uh, at 335. But so we, is there stocks to talk about? Is there individual – I mean, MSTR, that's kind of boring. I mean, do you want to talk about that? What well, we could talk issues? Bitcoin. I mean, like you said, it bounced to 20000 which it should. It's oversold here now. I mean, uh-huh. you can't actually – say anything negative about it because if you do which i learned the hard way yesterday on my twitter account i tweeted out basically what i said on the show was you know i was challenging the scarcity argument because yes there's only 21 million bitcoins but when you divide them by the 100 million to bring them down to the satoshi level because a fraction of a bitcoin is called a satoshi um there's 2.1 quadrillion pieces of bitcoin available and there's a nice site that says, you know, how much Bitcoin's available for everyone in the world, um, which I was looking at last night. And it's I currently, I think it was 275,000 Satoshis per person in the world right now. So basically, you can get a piece of Bitcoin. Um, there's 275,000 pieces of Bitcoin available for every pe- person in the world. So I argued, you know, yesterday, just in the tweet saying, you know, that I don't believe it's that scarce because it can divide it by 100 million um and which is what they do and then everybody can have a piece of the action so the way i think of scarcity stuff is you know like okay well there's two wayne gretzky rookie cards that are you know at you know tens you know on the psa scale where they're mint mint those are scarce i mean when everybody can get a piece of the action i challenge the scarcity argument but i was told that i don't understand fractions i should lose my cfa designation um i was called multiple horrible names probably from about 30 to 40 people. So in the first hour, I had 700 responses to my tweet. Um, most of it just challenging, that just basically calling me stupid, um, which whatever, you have your opinion, you want to use names, do it. Uh, but it just got you know to a level where you know it was coming like every second I was getting messages at me. So I actually stopped the replies to the tweet. Um, I didn't allow replies to it. And then they were screenshotting and quote tweeting me. So then I actually deleted the tweet. I said, delete the tweet because my phone is just like, I had to turn off notifications. My Twitter account is useless right now because it's literally just getting spammed um, with a bazillion Bitcoin followers um, that, you know, are challenging my intelligence, which fine. I, oh yeah, I don't understand what a fraction is. The biggest argument they were giving me back, Joel, was we can cut a pizza and do 100 million pieces and you still have a pizza. There's still one, only one pizza. So he cut a Bitcoin into 100 million. There's still only one Bitcoin. I mean, yeah, but you got you cut a pizza into 100 million pieces. You're left with nothing, dust. I mean, in this case, you still have a fraction of a Bitcoin, which is has utility because you can transact in it. So I'm just challenging. Like, is there? It's 21 million Bitcoins only, but with four point or 2.1 uh, quadrillion satoshis, which is the one 100 millionth of a Bitcoin. 
I'm challenging whether it's really scarce. So anyways, you can't challenge anything. You can't challenge any negative narrative on Bitcoin, not in public because everyone hates you. So I'm not going to tweet about Bitcoin anymore. Um, This is my last thing. You know, I'll I'll mention levels. We can talk technicals on it still. 20,000 is a good level. But don't say something negative because everyone hates your guts. Well, I heard uh, uh, um, on Tuesday's uh, afternoon, there's Corlin Economic Report. I go on there and there's two sharp guys that, you know, I just discussed the U.S. markets. And uh, Shad, one of the guys I was interviewing, he, he made like a re- he he brought up a point about Bitcoin, right? And Bitcoin mining, right? That's the big thing, right? People are out there mining for Bitcoins and, you know, energy, right? What has happened to the cost of energy, right? To do the mining and stuff. So you, there's an input, right, for for people that are mining this. You know, at at what level? You know, the higher the higher energy costs, the you know whatever electricity or whatever you're using to do that, that that puts a that puts a, a pinch on the margins. And um, I think that, you know I think that's just another thing that's contributed to the decline. But 20k it's is clean 20K. energy, Joel. The Bitcoin's the cleanest thing. It's going to oh, replace okay. the entire financial system. So you don't need banks. You don't need okay. bankers. You're going to lose all those buildings. I mean, this is what it's replacing. We're all going to transact in Bitcoin. If you don't get a piece of it now, you're never going to be able to get a piece of it. Even though there's 275,000 pieces available for every person in this world right now, but it's scarce. So, I mean, that's where we're at. That's what Bitcoin, there's hardcore. The believers will continue to believe. And you know what? I, I've been on this show and saying, I do not believe Bitcoin is a zero. I've been on this show and I was bullish Bitcoin for a long time. The technicals turned us bearish. And we got good... bearish at the right possible time on this. So we've been actually on this show. We have been absolutely correct with our predictions on Bitcoin over the course of the last six months. We've been calling for a crypto crash. The crypto crash basically just happened. And, you know, it's a risk asset and that's what it is. So, I mean, but everybody's, you know, the hardcore believers, it may come back. I mean, I'd rather own Bitcoin than any other crypto. I will say that if I've got to own cryptocurrency and I own a little piece, I said I owned a little piece still. I sold most of it, but I've got like 10% of my original holdings there because I'm playing with the house's money. And I was like, I'll keep a little piece forever just in case, you know, the thing does go to a million. And maybe it does. And maybe the micro strategy CEO is going to be the richest man in the world. You know, that could happen. Oh, boy, oh, boy. It could happen, but maybe it doesn't. So I'm just why I don't, I like diversification and I don't like putting all my eggs in one basket. And Jay Rice, we can move on. I agree, Spinner. Um, I think we should move on and not talk Bitcoin. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Guys, you guys are going to let me speak finally. This is the first word I got <laughs> in for like what it's been 13, 13, 30. You Dennis guys- is upset today. <laughs> You can tell. I couldn't even bring in the first topic. You guys, you guys. Well, Mitch, Mitch, I, I just have to tell you that um, that Dennis and I worked out a, a deal with Jason and Luke, and yeah. you're going to get paid by the word. Uh, I, I can see it. I can see it. We're getting paid by the word it. now. I am now rich. I will have more money than my the micro. Yeah, Dennis says it. We, we even if it goes to nine, I'm getting paid by the word. Yo, Dennis. Oh, geez, he doesn't even need to trade anymore if he gets paid by. No, the I word. know. I get paid by the word. I don't have to do anything. I just, All right, okay. Mitch. Mitch, right. come on, pull up the so, bootstraps. Let's go, yeah, buddy. Rain us yeah, in. I'm gonna have to. Um, I mean, I, I was trying to talk about how you know uh, there's a 95 percent chance of a 75 basis point hike uh from the cme's fed watch tool uh but 
I, I guess we got past the Fed real quick. Uh, we <laughs> went straight to Bitcoin. Um, I don't know how that back. one happened, but let's Take go ahead. Let, let, let's go into something completely different. So we don't talk about those things. Let's talk about Redfin and Compass's layoffs here. Um, they are stepping in some more layoffs showing up here in the filings the, uh, with the SEC. Compass announcing a 10% cut to its workforce and Redfin announcing an 8% cut um, to its workforce. Redfin CEO Glenn uh, Kelman, will, he said, we could be facing years not months of fewer home sales and Redfin still plans to thrive. If falling from 97 per share uh, to $8 doesn't put a company through heck, I don't know what does. Um, Housing markets have been struggling. Total mortgage application volume was down 52.7% last week. Um, If you take a look here at the average contract interest of a 30 year fixed rate mortgage, um, they were at, 5.6 point uh, 5.65 from 5.4 and that was just a week ago and now they're hitting 6.28 percent on Tuesday as the daily measure from mortgage news daily the the housing market it's as bad as it's been for the housing stocks the mortgage stocks have been hit way harder I know I mean you look at Redfin here 97 dollars down to eight bucks. Rocket, you can bring that one up to forty some dollars when the Reddit bubble hit. This down is no to longer seven. rocket. UWMC. I call it the submarine. It's a submarine. Or, it's no longer a rocket. <laughs> UWMC. Everybody was telling me, well, how can you go wrong with that dividend? The dividend's doubled now. It's now eleven percent. I don't think it's sustainable. <laughs> All the housing is an absolute mess, which we have called on this show for a long time as well. I mean, again, I'm going to say this has been a very predictable market and is trading very logical. Who in the hell is refinancing and ho- hurrying to refinance their mortgage Nobody. right now? People are holding on to whatever they got and they're hoping that their mortgage broker doesn't call that their current mortgage variable mortgage comes up. Because when their variable mortgage comes up, they're going to be in a world of pain because these interest rates have exploded. These companies are ground zero. Zillow, $200. It's 30 bucks. Stop trying to call bottoms on these stocks. Nobody knows where the bottom is. And for some of them, it actually might be zero. It's tough. I mean, you know, it's being reflected. I just went to the S&P uh, home builders there. Um, you know, so much for disrupt, you know, disruption. This is uh, an all-time low for Redfin. Uh, open door, same thing. I mean, you got to wait for just maybe for at least a, a pause in interest rates here. But, um, you know, that, and once again, you know, going back to COVID, right, Dennis, like people were like, wow, I need a house. You know, if I'm going to be locked inside and, and doing this and you had that pull forward of, uh, you know, a real estate and, um, and, and housing. So, um, I don't know. If, I don't know what to say. I mean, no reason to buy these through. stocks until we start seeing inflation tick down because the Fed's not going to stop raising rates until we get the data. And if they continue to raise rates, it's going to put a lot of these companies in a world of pain. So we're at the same mercy of the inflation data. It's all that matters. Some people saying CPI doesn't matter. It's the only thing that matters. It is driving the bus. That CPI report from last Friday is the reason the market fell 10%. You can make up whatever other reason you want. There is absolutely no doubt what the reason is. We fell 10% in three days on the S&P because the CPI data was hot, which was predicted on this show a week and a half before, not predicted the direction, but we said if it's hot, the market is going to tank. If it's not, the market is going to rally. It was a binary event. It came in hot. That was your signal. 
get out of stocks as fast as you possibly can. If you're quick, the high frequency traders got out of all theirs because they're quick. I mean, but now you're at a point now it fell 10%, so it's repriced. Now we got to wait for the next CPI data. The, the number today, it's going to chop around. Maybe we're going to get a relief pop. You know, maybe we get a 50% retracement of the move, maybe back to 385 or 395. I would be a seller of stocks and, a sell, and, and raising cash on all rallies. Zillow, Zillow also not looking good either. I don't know if we took a look at that. Chart the same thing. We've already grouped it in. We don't need to talk. They're all look like they're all 52 week lows. They're all linked to the housing market, which is a complete disaster now. Um, again, no no reason to waste your time on this until we start seeing CPI data tick up or tick down. Uh, we'll see what happens if we get a housing crash or not. It's not looking good right now. Uh, let's keep going here. There's not much to talk about, so we got to take it easy here. Let's go to forward here. Uh, they're recalling 49,000 of roughly 100,000 Mach-E's that were produced between May of 27, 2020 and May 24 of 2022. Uh, this is not coming at a, at a good time. When Ford delivered 5,179 Mach-E's in May, its highest since the electric crossover launched in December 2020, the recall is linked to a potential overheating in the Mach-E's high-voltage battery main con- uh, contactors and an electricity controlled switch for a power circuit what it's causing is causing overheating that which could result in the vehicle not starting or immediately losing propulsion power while in motion that could be a problem you know for gm we can group these together here too you can tell i'm just flying through all these individual news stories that aren't going to matter um this is all again it's, it's right back to the same thing. This is ground zero for inflation trades. I, I, 4GM are cheap stocks. There's going to be a buying opportunity in these stocks. These are not the zeros. But it does not matter right now because the demand destruction is hitting the automotives first. You saw the automotive sales obviously falling off a cliff here. I mean, I just don't see a reason to own these things uh, with, you know, in the current market environment because the first thing people aren't doing is buying a new car. So I'm out on Ford and GM until I start to see CPI data tick down. Same story with all this stuff. Uh, I'll just say for Ford here, I'm not, you know, that Dennis covered the fundamentals pretty well there. I mean, I, I consider that bad or news. I didn't. <laughs> it, 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 it's, you know, it's not good news and it's bad news. And the stock was kind of green yesterday. So uh, the street shrugging it off. Uh 12 bucks, you got under that a few days ago, then 12 held. So, I mean, let's form a big old base at 12 here. And I'm, I'm just talking technically. I'm not talking about inflation. I'm not talking about cards. I'm just saying if a stock goes up or doesn't tank on bad news, it is somewhat of a positive. And, uh, you know, if you're taking a shot here, I don't know how I lost money on 24 puts, but anyways, um, you know, here you are, 12 bucks. Uh, didn't really break out from there, uh, but that's a big level. See if the institutions line up and form a big old base there. All right, we'll keep watch on Ford. Remember yesterday there was a headline in out there that uh, Ford and GM were kind of pitching um, that they want higher EV credits. Um, I think they're going to probably be needed. Um, especially if we keep seeing the price of these vehicles rise. Um, so it's going to get to a point where the average consumer just can't even go for the EVs because the prices, I think, will just be way too high. Let's get the EVs out there. 
let's not even worry about credits. You can't. There is there a lightning on the lot yet? I mean, we've heard about the Ford Lightning forever. Can you buy the thing yet? Is anybody well, driving these things yet? There's there's no Mach E's right now. I'll tell you that much. There, I don't <laughs> even know if they've got the Lightning out there yet. I mean, we've been talking about this forever. I love the Lightning. It's an awesome looking truck, but get them out there. They can't get them out there. Yeah, the only problem is that when they get them out there, Dennis, what if they're eighty thousand dollars for each of them? Oh, they're gonna be. I don't they're know about be. you. I'm not paying eighty thousand dollars. That's for what a the truck. argument is. Why? We, that's why I sold my Ford stocks. Why? You know, I still have a little, little piece of GM, but it's where I sold three quarters of the position because I don't know why you're paying this. So we've given these arguments there before, you know. So let's jump in. Eight twenty-four. We're starting to go. Let's go to the next topic. All right, let's go to the next topic. There's not much out there today, so we'll we'll go into BP here. Uh, they agreed to take a 40.5 equity stake in an Asian renewable energy hub. A vast project planned for Australia set to span an area of 6,500 square kilometers. Uh, the announcement on Wednesday, BP said it would be the operator of the development and added that it would potentially be one of the largest renewable green hydrogen hubs in the world. Again, all the oil stocks are moving together. And one thing to consider, and, you know, obviously I love to educate on this show, is when you are of market, you know, carnage, when you have stuff, stocks all move together. So individual stories can move stocks, you know, when we're in normalized markets. We're not normalized markets right now. They're all moving together. BP, all the oil stocks moving together. It's getting a little bit of a lift on this, but if you want to know the path of BP, you got to know the path of oil. It's all that matters. I don't care like uh, about you know the individual story so much and more care about what's happening with you know the overall picture there was a letter sent by biden today to some of you know the oil companies you know challenging their margins it's an important point because oils i believe was trading down earlier a little bit heavier earlier because of it but the technicals joel let's go to like exxon mobil and chevron which are two of the widely follow ones sure um these are these are teetering here so I've been predicting a sell-off in oil for a while, been absolutely wrong about it because it has continued to, to go up here. The utility sell-off took a long time. We were predicting utility sell-off finally has come. I do believe eventually is going to be a sell-off in oil here as well as demand destruction hits the oil fields as well. Uh, but so far, oil has held up fairly well. Um, is this another dip to buy or is this the time where we're actually going to get a sell-off in oil stocks? Mm, boy, oh boy, I think you gotta, you know, you gotta give it a little bit more. I mean, after the kind of the run up it had, um, look at an Exxon Mobil, uh, you had the gap up. I mean, I, what would be important for this is over the next couple of days, can this get back to a hundred? If it gets back to a hundred, you know, gets back in holds, then I'd say, okay, you know, you gotta, you know, you got a chance going back at 105. But if you hang out here too long, you don't get back over, uh, you know, in triple digits. I think you got some more room under 95. I mean, look at the way we came up between 90 and 95. So down 11 cents today. That's what I'd be looking at in um, in Chevron. Also for or you know Exxon Mobil, Chevron's got a perfect double top. So if you're if you you know got a short in here, you can lean on that. Uh, under this 165 area, it looks pretty pretty wide open down to 160. But if you've had these for a long time and you, you know you take profits in it, don't you know don't worry about it. Take, you know there's nothing wrong with taking profits in this market. This is such a historical. Run. I mean this thing started the ended last year what under 120. These stocks just don't do these kind of things. This is just big a moves, move. big it's profits. Big move. Yeah, I mean this Exxon Mobil in a year and a half went from thirty dollars to a hundred dollars. 
I mean, how much, you know, people say, oh, it's going to keep going up forever. Well, this is an unsustainable move, in my opinion. Eventually, it's coming back in. You can say, well, they make so much money. Yeah, but we're inflated right now. These are inflated numbers here right now. It's as good as it gets environment. And I do think oil prices will start to come back in with the demand destruction. So that's why they're not going the long-term investment portfolio. But there could be trades. And I'm not going to argue. If you're buying ExxonMobil and thinking you know, the party's going to continue, which it very well might. The trend is still your friend here, absolutely. You're leaning on the 93.92 low. If you're buying Chevron, you're leading on the low from two days ago, two days ago, which was 164.06. So you only risking three bucks. That's how I would play them if I was a trader. As an investor, I just can't jump into this because one, I think the prices are inflated. I think oil prices are eventually coming in. Uh, Dennis, just to give you a heads up, there, there's retail sales at 8:30. It's not, you know, it's not a, you know, a major number, but sometimes it can think, be a mover, though. Yeah, sometimes it can, at least for the. Seems uh, like a lot of economic data lately. Yeah, like we're every just day paid. it seems like I guess because we didn't care about the economic data for so long, and now it seems like everything's moving stocks. So, yeah, so okay, well, we'll keep an eye on the CPI number here in in a, in a minute here. Mitch, Mitch retail uh, sales. Do you have a Mitch? Do you have a, an estimate for that uh, handy for the retail sales or not? I didn't. No, I, I I don't I don't have the the retail yeah. sales. Don't worry, I I wasn't paying attention to them, so I I was all FOMC. So we'll we'll go yeah. ahead and we'll pull them up as they come up here. Okay. Um, we can keep going. Let's go. Uh, well, let's just talk a little bit about it. Uh, Biden tells oils companies in a letter uh, that well above normal refinery profit margins are not acceptable. He also was in a speech where he stated multiple times that uh, these companies are what they're doing is they're trying to see the price of oil go up and they're trying to kind of hold back their producing so that they can keep making more money on that oil. Um, he also said that they're, they're, they're like doing buybacks of their, their stock and stuff like that. And he said that that should be taxed. So a lot going on there, but um, if well above normal refinery profit margins, not acceptable. I mean, this That's letter, you know, and I think John B's got it right. Like, okay, whoop de doop de you're trying to, you know, political stance here. You're sending a letter, say, don't make so much money oil companies. I mean, what the hell? Honestly, what the hell? <laughs> They've been so doing this I, for, uh, I think it did knock the oil stocks down a little bit here today, but they're bouncing back because the, my traders are saying, whatever, you wrote a letter. Is that going to really, is this the big plan to get oil prices down? We're going to write a letter to the oil companies and, you know, let's challenging their margins, get oil prices down. So, I mean, this letter here, business, this is just political and it's going to do absolutely nothing. So... Can we? Uh, I'm going to take over here for a minute, though. You got we have four minutes before, obviously, our first guest here, and I don't think the retail sales data really moved markets because since CNBC didn't even cover it, they went to commercial. Um, let's talk banks because Joel, oh, boy, oh boy. you would think in this rising interest rate environment that one, you know, one sector that should benefit from the relentless rise in interest rates is the banks. They make new lows. Every day. Bank America going down every day. JP Morgan, which I somehow miraculously sold um, at 131, um, which, you know, obviously still I've got other, you know, positions. How did but, you do that? Wow. Well, it started to come back up and I just wanted to lighten up. I didn't want as much cash. You know, it was a nice rally from 115 to 130, 130, 132. It hung up there for a few days and looked like it was stalling out. I wish I would have sold every single stock three weeks ago or two weeks ago, you know, and JP Morgan was one that I sold. Um, you know, I put in the long-term portfolio and I'm just looking at it. I was like, I bought it wrong. 
and it's given me a chance. And, you know, I think, I think at a certain point in time, we want to own these banks. But the reason that they keep going down is this fear recession. of a recession. I don't think it's a fear. I think it's an inevitable reality. And I think the banks are showing us that. Because if we weren't going into a recession, these banks' profits, you know, are, are going to be going up. But if you start thinking about bad loans that happen in a recession, all the ugly stuff that happens for banks, that's why. So the market is giving more weight to the possibility of a recession than they are to higher interest rates. Because one, you know, sector, it's got to benefit from this. Higher rates, it's got to be the banks. So, I mean, if you would have said that the rates were going to go straight up, I would think the banks were a buy. That has not been the case whatsoever. The banks have been an epic disaster. Bring up whatever one you want. At a certain point in time, though, they're going to get cheap enough where do you start to nibble? I mean, Citigroup's got a double bottom, which it looks like it's going to take out. But you got Wells Fargo, which has been an epic disaster for the last three days, just straight down, relentless selling. Like, look at WFC. This is like, we, we talk about the tech stocks getting hit. This is a bank, you know, with a PE, a conservative, I don't know what it is, but it's low. You know, and you look at it and think, boom, it goes from 44 to 37 in three days. It's all 15% in three days. These are serious sell-offs on core holdings in a lot of people's portfolio. I mean, wow. I mean, this bank sell-off, which we haven't covered too much on the show, no, has been nothing short of incredible for the last three days. You know what else is weighing on this, uh, on the banking sector? Um, the housing sector. Well, that's for sure, too. Yeah. All of it. Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, I don't think we're, you know, I think we have safeguards in place. To, Are you worried uh, about a housing crisis? I, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not this worried. is, it's a serious, we never have brought that up on the show before. I, you Could know. we get to a situation where some people start losing their homes? I have. That could you you've been you've been bringing this? What do you think, Mitch? Could yeah, you get into a situation this... where this yeah. starts to get really ugly and they start mailing keys into the banks? Hundred percent. I mean, That's let's just be thought. honest. That's scary thought. Uh, I, I I'm I'm more than on that because I think that people bought houses that they shouldn't have probably been paying for. Um, they felt that they could probably pay for them at a time when, yes, yeah, savings were going up, and you know you were getting free money from the Fed. Wow. You were getting stimulus bills, and you were like, "Yeah, now I can afford this house. Let's go for the four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand house." When maybe two years ago, I probably could only afford a two hundred thousand dollar house. And so, I think at this point, I think the price that people got in, and especially if you if you didn't get that fixed mortgage, right? If you got the variable mortgage, I mean, you might as well just kiss yourself goodbye and start selling that house today. Um, but uh, it, it's going to be tough. I think there's definitely a tough environment build up here. And the only problem would come is if the banks kind of gave, uh, let's say, housing to people that they maybe didn't do too much deep research in. But hopefully after the 2008 crisis, the, the way hopefully that they learn their lesson. Yeah, hopefully they learn their lesson. The money right? to the tomato picker who makes $14 an hour, you're going to have a $700,000 home. I hope or the guy that works at problems. McDonald's for $15 an hour. Right? Yeah, I know. This is, but it's a serious concern. Joel and Metro. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I wish I wouldn't. The banks are telling up. us something really bad. I think, you know, the banking action, this action in the banks, like Bank America, Going it's in the bad. last three months from fifty dollars to thirty-one is telling us that whoa, there's something you know a little bit heavier something to think under about. the hood. And we talk about you know the you know the demand destruction. People aren't going to buy new cars, but if they get strapped enough, are some people going to lose their homes? It's all I about mean, employment. That is not good news for the banks. 
it's employment, right? And that's what we're watching the most right now to give us an indicator if we're for sure probably heading towards that recession or if it's just a question. Um, I think the Fed is doing the same and they're going to keep raising those interest rates until they run into battles with, oh, now we're affecting the job economy. Okay. Now we need to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. Retail sales cooled off a little bit. So I guess that, yeah, that's uh, 0.5 versus 0.8. So maybe things are uh, are cooling off a a little bit, uh, at least on the, that on the inflation front. But uh, do we we got blue ready? We got a, maybe blue uh, can turn us, uh, turn this around here. Give us something. Yeah. Give us some hope. Yeah, do we got blue? Is blue let's in the green it. room? Let's do it. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on my man, Blue Putnam. Let's go. Sound the alarm. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services, debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. All right, let's go ahead. We just got the retail core sales. We're bringing on Blue Putnam here, guys. Definitely smash the like, guys. If you guys, I know you guys have seen Blue, and he's been all over the numbers. Managing director here and chief economist at CME Group. Welcome to the show, Blue. Yeah, thank you. Good to be back. All right, uh, you're at the CME there, right? Did you say you were going to be at the CME today? I'm in the office today. Okay. All right. But it's in the board of trade. The old CME building is, what is that now? Just office, regular office space there? No, this is the Chicago Mercantile building over on South Wacker Street. Uh, okay. Yes, it's just office space. What's going on in that with the trade? Is there anything in the trading floor? Did they tear that down? I mean, they, there's nothing there, right? You can have, have your next wedding huge, there. Two, two huge floors, huh? But okay, Blue. Let, let, let's. <laughs> Let's let's get down. Uh, when we talked to you before, we were trying to be optimistic about the CPI data um, coming in and what the Fed was doing was working. And you told us not to be so optimistic. And uh, you turned out to be right. So now here we are a couple of weeks later, half versus three quarters. What do you think? What What do you think the Fed's going to do? And then, you know, when you know, could you give us a, a ray of hope? Maybe, maybe not the uh, the June uh, next month's numbers, but the fall, winter. What, what are you looking at for a tick down in inflation? Well, you know, the Fed has a lot to debate. They've they've got a lot on their plate to think about. It's a tough decision. 
Um, you'd have to realize the federal funds futures market is priced in 75 basis points. So that's where the market is. You've seen the 10-year yields rise pretty substantially. The two-year has gone up. So the, so the market is, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, if the Fed were to do something aggressive, the market will be fine because they're already there. Um, I think what the debate inside the Fed, though, is really, you have to understand the causes of this inflation to decide what to do about it. And um, I don't know about you, but every time I got in trouble, my uncle would tell me, you know, Blue, if you want to get out of a hole, stop digging. And, uh, you know, so where are we still digging? Well, we're digging in the Ukraine because there's nothing that the uh, Fed can do about oil prices and things like that and, and food prices. So that, you know, we can't solve that right away. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, the Fed's going at least to a neutral policy. We'll see where they end up. Um, by the way, neutral does not mean you put your foot on the brake. It means you took your foot off the accelerator. Uh, so you're coasting. I mean, that's what they want to do is to get into neutral. So that's their idea of, uh, you know, let's see what we can do to avoid a recession. Great point. And then, you know, the, the Fed can't control whether whether I go to a restaurant or whether I travel or whether I buy goods. And during the pandemic, we bought goods. Now we do seem to be moving back to services. And that'll cool things off a little bit on the goods inflation side. Um, but, you know, you just have to really understand what caused things before you can try to figure out how to solve them. So a lot, I mean, it's going to be a fascinating debate, I'm sure, today at the Fed. What do you think they do, Blue? Do you think they're going 50 or 75? No, I I don't uh, forecast uh, <laughs> two hours before their meeting. Uh, but, you know, I, again, I go back and say, you know, the markets are telling us that they're, they're expecting uh, aggressive moves. So we'll just, you know, we'll see where they go. What about the employment situation here? Uh, you know, there's one thing, you know, when uh, you're talking about telltale signs of a, uh, of a recession, uh, the unemployment numbers, right, have still been uh, pretty strong. I think that, that, you know, that would be an indicator that I would be looking at. It seems like you're hearing more and more about, you know, company company layoffs and and things of that nature when uh it's the fed just just with the with the inflation problem they just uh they, they can't really worry about that right now until they have to worry about it i guess that's that's more or less right i mean they have a dual mandate encourage full employment and price stability uh so they're they're always going to be looking at employment but we do have to be careful not to misinterpret the numbers we we it's very likely we will see some slowing in the job data, but we've had a very fast rebound, much, much faster than from 2008. And the fast rebound means when the rebound is over, when you get back to the peak where you were before, which we're virtually there, you're going to get much slower job growth. The other thing that happened, a lot of people left the labor force in the middle of the pandemic, and most of those people have come back. And so now we're going to be on a slower trend of labor force growth. Now, we can still get some increase in the participation rate. So we could still get uh, some pretty good job numbers. But by, you know, by the third, fourth quarter, uh, they're going to be more on trend. And that's, you know, 150,000 a month or give or take 50 or 60,000. It's a, it's a very variable number. But, you know, I don't want to when we see the slower jobs number, we shouldn't blame uh, blame the Fed uh, because it was after a rebound, things slow down. That's just what happens. So we have to be careful not to 
overdo those things. And there will be some layoffs. You know, we have uh, we have some issues in uh, in the fintech, blockchain, crypto world. So they're, they're going to be we're going to probably see an uptick in uh, weekly unemployment claims just from that source. But that's not a huge industry, so it won't be too bad. Hey, Blue, I'm going to jump in here. Now, one of the areas that I'm watching is is higher mentions of asset sell-offs. You know, we got the mention of the 30 mil or the 30 bill. Um, Do you think that we're going to see higher mentions in asset sell-offs? Yes, there are going to be some some of that because there's actually, I mean, a lot of hedge funds and asset managers made money during this, but an awful lot of them didn't. And uh, and then in the private equity world, you know, those are non-public holdings. Uh, if you're in that fintech, blockchain, um, decentralized finance, crypto space, and, and, and a lot of those companies invest in each other and they're linked shareholdings. So it's, it's going to be it's going to take quite a while to sort out private equity. And so now back to your other discussion, uh, banks lend a lot of money to these people. <laughs> And the collateral they hold is a non-publicly traded security that whose value is really hard to figure out. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to spend some time sorting out the financial sector side of it. There's no doubt about it in my mind. What yeah, about that- Europe? Oh, I'm sorry, Mitch. Go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask about you know Europe and the you know the emergency ECB meeting over there, and um, you know what's going on in their markets. I mean, the economy with what's going on in the with the war in the Ukraine. I mean, is that you know is that going to just be a just another major hurdle for you know for the U.S. and our economy to overcome? Or once again, do we just just got to keep the, the blinkers on and and focus on what's going on here? Well, Europe is definitely in a tougher situation than the U.S. with the war right on their doorstep and with uh, much, much higher energy prices. Their natural gas and electricity prices are way higher than in the United States. So it's it's a tough situation there. But, you know, the, the European Central Bank is behind the Fed and it's behind the Fed because their asset purchase program was partly aimed at holding down the yields of the weaker members of the European Union countries. And, uh, you know, we've seen uh, higher yields on Italian bonds and some of the others. And, and the ECB really wants to protect that a little bit. So they're, they're, uh, that's what their meeting is about, you know, now and, and what they're thinking about. But, you know, they have uh, advertised that they are going to exit negative rates. By the way, negative rates probably did more harm than good because it really messes up a lot of the financial system. So getting out of negative rates is probably a very good thing for them. And that should happen in the third quarter uh, based on what they've told us. Uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, but yeah, Europe. Uh, one thing you can do to Europe, though, is if, you, if you're if you willing to get on an airplane for eight hours uh, from the United States, you can travel. Uh, the, the euro's at 105. It used to be at 122 a year ago. So, uh, you know, it is it's on sale. All right. The last question I have is looking forward in next couple of months. Is there any area where you could see inflation continuing to rise? Like I know I'm, I'm still concerned about food. I mean, I, I've been going to the grocery store. It doesn't look like it's letting up. Uh, is this an area of concern going into winter? Yeah, food and energy are both areas of concern and they're not, nothing the Federal Reserve can do about them. Uh, we have a refinery shortage Um you know, it's not just oil prices, it's gasoline, it's diesel, it's things that move 
trucks, cars, boats, airplanes around. And, and that's not going away quickly. That's not going to be solved by monetary or fiscal policy in the short run. And then we have, um, you know, for those people who are out in the Midwest and uh, in the northern part, it's pretty hot. Uh, you know, it's in the in the 90 degrees. Um, you, if you're interested in agriculture, you need to watch the temperatures at night. When they get very, very warm, generally above 75 or so, uh, corn crops and other uh, grain crops don't like that. They, they, they don't care about the day temperature. They care about the night temperature. And when it gets too warm, and this is particularly troublesome in July and August, if we have a July, because that's when the corn actually fills out. So, uh, you know, we're watching the weather. Uh, we're watching the refineries. But the food and energy side of this inflation is, is the bad news part. The good news, again, is we're switching to services. We're not buying as many goods. That's not so good for the retailers, but it's it's good for inflation because we've had way more goods inflation than we've had service inflation. So it's a mixed picture. So it seems like more knockoff brands for me, Blue, but uh, I'll <laughs> see what happens on out there. Thank you, Blue Putnam, the Managing Director and Chief Economist at the CME Group. We'll love to have you back. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Blue. All right, let's keep it going here. And um, definitely, I mean, Blue kind of giving me a little bit more worried about my knockoff <laughs> brands. Uh, looks like I'm going to have to change from uh, Frosted Flakes to, I don't know, uh, uh, just the, the Flakes. Version. <laughs> household, Mal, household Mal been trading. What is that? H, HRL? Uh, there. They've all the food stocks have been hit now, too. Everybody that was Everything's hiding. Everything's getting hit. A month ago, everyone was hiding consumer staples, hiding in utilities because no those hiding. were safe and they weren't safe. We talked about it on the show. Eventually, they get hit, and they did. XLP down substantially in the last three or four days. You can hide. The only real place to hide, if it really starts to get ugly, is U.S. dollars. Cash. Real cash. That's the real place to hide, and that has been the best-performing asset here over the course of the last few weeks. So, I mean, yeah, it sucks to be losing 8% or 9 or 10 or 16 for real in your cash to inflation, but it sucks more when your real stocks are going down. So, eventually here, we're going to hit a bottom. Like I said, if you're all cash, I think you do some nibbling. But if you're all stocks, I think you do some selling on rallies. Yeah, we're sneaking up here despite the negative talk here. Uh, S&Ps are approaching uh, the highs of the session at 78.75. Uh, the interday high from yesterday, just a few ticks above that at, uh, at 82. And then uh, the real high, the Globex high, I don't know how we got to 38.0750 on a Tuesday night, but we did. Uh, Dennis, are the are the stocks responding in in kind to this? Yeah, we're very we've come in line. This morning we had a lot of stocks that weren't participating. Most have come up now and are participating here with the rally. Now it's across the board. Banks seem to be leading the way to a certain extent here this morning. I'm just looking at sectors, but kind of everything has just come up a little bit. So again, when you have more volatile markets, when the VIX is on the rise you see correlations start to come together and all stocks, stocks to stock, and they just start to move together here. That's what we saw over the last few days. That's what we're going to continue to see here over the next little while here. But yeah, we're ripping here, Joel, right now. It's a nice pop. Wow, another nice pop there. there. I, yeah, yep, yep. I mean, this is what happened last time, right? A little little rally into the numbers. So I could expect to see even a rally off of the number, and oh, then all it of a sudden, crazy. Chappelle the, the, tomorrow. That, so that last day that uh, that we had the Fed meeting, I mean, it, I think we we were up, and then we went down. We were down mm -hmm. like 40, 50 handles, 
and then we rallied 150 handles. So, um, and but you know, like I said, you know, there's there's different kind of price action, the constructive price action, like yesterday. You you found some buyers there on that afternoon dip, uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens into the meeting. Uh, have we and we covered all our all of our subjects? Are so we, uh, uh, we got MSTR that we can get into. I don't think uh, we were going to talk, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah, uh, we could talk. Hertz. Let's not talk about Bitcoin anymore. I mean, you know, for real. Let, let people do what they want. With their we do technicals on it, but we can't yeah. give a we can't yep. say negative no stuff because it's just. I mean, people I say positive it. stuff. So it's not only negative, but let's keep going. Let's we, go I've Hertz. said lots of positive things about Bitcoin. I yeah. said it's not a zero. Yeah, let's, let's, positive. let's go to All Hertz right. Global Shares here, trading a little bit higher after the company announced a $2 billion buyback. Um, I've been seeing more and more of those Tesla commercials. But um, what's up here with Hertz? Getting a little bounce here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't... <laughs> After what um, FedEx did yesterday, Dennis? Did you see what that stock did? Did you? I know try- we got this one wrong. It just We're kept totally going. wrong. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to step away in front of this. I mean, good news is good news, and there must have been something else that they. That I didn't drill down into the release, so I'm not. I'm not going to try and pick a top on this one. I see the pre-market high. I uh, got over 1850. So if you get through the pre, because actually, like we talked about 220 being resistance, that was just about the low of the day. And the thing went over 230. So pre market high 1880. That's all I can give you uh, for uh, Hertz Global Holdings. All right. Let's, we can talk a little bit about some yesterday news in Apple. Apple announcing Tuesday, they announced a 10 year deal with Major League Soccer to broadcast Major League Soccer matches on its streaming service, Apple Plus. Apple is ramping up its sports streaming offerings. Uh, they have been airing Major League Baseball games this year. Um, so it looks like you'll have a selection of whether you're on Apple TV Plus or you could get a separate MLS subscription. Uh, but who's to say if they don't just keep going after different leagues to try to take all the games and put them under Apple Plus? Sneaky double bottom yesterday, Joel, yes. 131.48, 131.44. That's the good news. The bad news, this is a broken chart. You get back near 140, people will say, thank you, give me my money back here. So I think you're thinking of 50% retracement on the move. If we get a, a good response to the Fed to, to the Fed decision here today, I think you start looking at 50% retracements of the recent moves to lighten up. So um, I would be a seller, and I own Apple long-term, but if I had it on for a trade, I'd be a seller around 140. Uh, very unusual technical pattern to have gap down days like that. Uh, will they be able to fill the gap? Well, we'll see. Um, just kind of moving up a buck 64 right now, 134.40, up a little bit more on a percentage basis. I think you just got to keep an eye on here on 135.20. Uh, that was your high on Monday. You can see if it you know starts to get into here, your first gap fill, that's a ways up at 137.06. So above 135, I think uh, you get a little pop here. And Apple, of course, is be dependent on you know what the S and P's do being the, you know the biggest component. But uh, if it gets back anywhere near on change, like if some sellers come in and pound this on the open, little profit taking, I'd be more than happy to try and pick this up unchanged, uh, up a buck sixty seven. All right, we can go to NIO now. NIO had an awesome day yesterday, about 16%. Uh, they did have a product launch event that started at 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, you can see it's gone up a little bit, but not too much there from the product release. Um, we'll see what happens with this one, NIO. 
20 bucks, uh, major resistance. Yep, that's a gap fill from earnings. It had uh, anticipation into the event, uh, ran up into earnings. A lot of people getting their money back. 1968, uh, boy, that'd be a nice uh, 60 cents away. Uh, gap fill would be at, uh, oh, man, this thing's going to have tough time in upper 19 handle if it gets there. All right, that's going to do it for at least topics here. You guys want to drop in the stock to maybe check on out. We could definitely check it on out. Anything on you guys' radar, Joel or Dennis? It's all going to be about the FOMC, obviously, today. I think you're going to see chop ahead. I think you're going to see chop after. I'm fading all moves, how my trading approach is. So you're going to get that initial, oh, no, they don't like it. And they tell off. And then I'd be a buyer. And then you're going to say, oh, no, they like it. I think you're going to see a lot of chop here. Because I think there's so much uncertainty that, you know, even if we knew what they were doing, if you said it was 50 points they were going to go or 75, I don't know how I would even trade it. So I just think it's going to be so much uncertain even after the number. So I think we're at a point where you're just going to have to fade the move. So if you're a day trader, you see that 30, 40 point rally off the hop or you see the 30, 40 point sell off off the hop. I'm fading that, meaning I'm selling the rips, buying the dips until further notice. All right. See, I see Netflix mentions in the chat. That's not a bad one we can talk about. We just talked about some streaming, so we can go to Netflix. And my wife's RSP been an epic disaster. Made a new low on the move here, or at least close to it. I guess it did make a new low on the move. 162.71, so that's your support level. So it's still trying to hold that. I don't know. Everything. Every long stock. It's hard to find the good ones here. <laughs> They've all been messes. Yeah. Uh, trading up a buck, uh, buck 96, 170 pre-market high, kind of a tight range yesterday. So what you want to do if you Netflix shareholders is, uh, just get to yesterday's high here and you're still two and a half bucks away from there. So if you don't get to 172.06 off the hop, I think you'd, you'd roll over and perhaps test unchanged, but, uh, man, the streaming is just, uh, not, but that, is that a, it's not a new low for the move, right? I is it close 6271 and uh yeah missed it by a couple bucks so that's your uncle point uh if it goes into reverse tight range got to get over 172 yeah with netflix one thing that i'm thinking about is as you're seeing apple plus go more into kind of the tv streaming there versus like let's say movies or shows what is to say that netflix doesn't figure out a way to kind of pivot here Go away from just focusing only on movies and shows and actually start bringing their TV to their platform, right? That's what I think they have an avenue in um, if they want to continue growth. They've talked about video games, but I think their only option here would be moving towards kind of bringing the TV also on the streaming service. But just kind of mentions of what I'm thinking Netflix could kind of flip things around um they've been talking about it also how they really need to kind of change up their strategy here and figure out a new strategy moving well and forward. cutting back on the shared passwords i mean that's what they've been talking about here too because we know you got one netflix account and there's four people watching on every one account so if you could somehow monetize those users that are just basically you know free riding off of other accounts that'd be a big way to monetize you know obviously and a big way to increase revenues here stock is not expensive i've got in my wife's rsp <laughs> uh which is like an ira in the states and it's been an epic disaster and i've been wrong about it um i do think there's value here i do think there's netflix i 
I don't think it's a zero. I think there's a floor here because I think you're coming into a reasonable valuation. But right now, just it's risk off market, hard to be bullish. All right, we're getting there. 8.58 will be just on out of here in a second. Um, we already took the look at FDX. Let's take a look at a consumer stock. I haven't taken a look at this one in a little while. The DPZ retail here. I haven't looked at Domino's Pizza in a while yet either. Yeah, it's had a nice rally. A okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, really? it's come back. I mean, I, I think you sell. I think this is a good yes. sell. Well, it's, I, I know I'm, I'm selling like a broken record, but we're selling reps. I mean, we went from 320 to 380. Think for 50% retracement of, of the move. I think you're losing this opportunity to lighten up Domino's. Uh, it, uh, not a bad day. Uh, well, it had a good day on Monday, not such a good day on Tuesday. I think just an easy area to keep an eye on here. And I know this is a three, $400 stock, but man, oh man, 383, that's six bucks away. You got to sell their stock in there until you get 383. Um, I see you heading back towards, uh, this 370 low from Monday. All right, that's going to do it for us here. I hope that you guys had a great day. We'll go on over, guys, and check out Joel Conan Pre-Market Prep Plus. And just a tip, we already kind of gave you guys it a little bit earlier today, but at the close, we'll not be on here on Benzinga. It'll be on uh, Pre-Market Prep's channel. And Joel Conan, who are you going to have on there? I'm going to have Cameron Dawson. And she sent a note that uh, she might be getting a – a little bit bullish here. Depends, uh, you know, what happens. But we're going to have her. That's going to be a 335. Uh, everyone, be careful out there today. And uh, we'll check in with you later on. Thanks for joining us. Okay, sounds good. All right, that's going to probably do it for us. We're going to wrap on up here and bring you guys on over to the boot camp. If you guys want to go ahead and learn today, we have a great show. But first, we're going to get into live trading action with Junaid lord ryan and of course i will be joining that party i'm going to bring you guys on over to the boot camp ab should be starting it on up and i'll be there in just a few short seconds i needed a little coffee little little sip back get my energy going and i'll see you guys on live trading i'm gonna bring the energy i want to see you guys there and don't forget also today at 2 30 we will be streaming the fomc meeting conference with Joel Jerome Powell as he go ahead and kind of talks about the economy, what he's doing. And of course the Q and a is always the fireworks. So that's what we'll be watching. Uh, you guys can catch that right here on Benzinga. So don't go anywhere today and let's keep it going. Smash the like button. How many likes did we get today? Can we get to 600? Let's go. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress.
The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit cards issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save 